Welcome everyone to episode 139 of the Reds Unrestricted Podcast. I'm your host David Comerford and I'm joined by Dan Club and Liam Toher to question whether Liverpool have had enough success in the 21st century. This podcast is part of the Big Heads Media Podcast Network. Go to bigheadsmedia.com for more great podcasts. The idea for this episode actually came from a tweet that I put out um, earlier this week. Um, it had a stat about FSG's investments in the club or lack thereof. And um, it got quite a lot of traction. A lot, a lot of people sort of felt quite strongly about it. Um, and a lot of fans are actually saying something that you'd normally only hear really from from rival supporters, that Liverpool have only won one league title in 30 years and they said that part of the problem was that FSG had sort of squandered the potential of this current side to add to that tally and we're not going to focus on FSG here we've obviously spoken about that quite a bit and maybe that can be dealt with more sort of concertedly in future podcasts but it did get me thinking about whether the club generally has enjoyed enough success recently and how, how we define the, the barometer for success for a club of Liverpool's size so We'll start with you, uh, Liam, seeing as it is your first appearance on Red Zone Restricted. Liam is going to be another addition to our team going forward. I want to read you the um, trophy halls of the Premier League Big Six in the 21st century as a bit of a reference point to begin with. So if we start with just trophies generally, you've got Chelsea who lead the way on 20, Man United 18, 17 for Man City, obviously, all of those, I think, coming since um, the investments uh, from the, the Middle East. Uh, Liverpool with 15, Arsenal with nine, and then, and then Spurs with, obviously, just the one. Um, so that's Liverpool are sort of pretty competitive there. Not quite on the same level as, as the top three, but, you know, in the ballpark. But I think the interesting one to look at is leagues and Champions Leagues, because if we're being honest, those are the trophies that we remember most. Those are the ones that mean the most. Those are the ones that start the season you look at and say, yeah, they're the ones I'm desperate to win. So in that stake, you've got Man United with nine, City with eight, Chelsea with seven, and then there's actually a big drop-off to Liverpool with three, followed by Arsenal with two, and Spurs with zero. So simple question, Liam, to start us off. Is that enough in the 21st century for a club of Liverpool stature? Um, I suppose as fans, we'd obviously like to be higher, particularly when we look at rival clubs and all the celebrations that they have had over the over the years. Um, we've a lot of us have looked on enviously, I think particularly the two Manchester clubs. Um, so that's a debate for another another day. But yeah, I think it's been, and particularly for those of the, of the generation that can remember back to the eighties when Liverpool were kind of winning big prizes on on an annual basis. Um. I, I definitely think that, oh, there, there are, that while obviously we're grateful for anything that we have won and we can make claim to having won all the biggest prizes under Jorgen Klopp that, you know, that, that there is a feeling that you know, we, it could have been it, it definitely could, could have been more and I suppose like the, the bare facts as you call out there David show that you know, as, as good as the good times have been we probably still pay that little bit in comparison with, with some of our rivals yeah, certainly in that window. I mean, you mentioned the 80s there and we'll, and we'll revisit that kind of golden era a little bit later on in the podcast. But Dan, I want to really throw the same question to you now. I mean, you've obviously had the trophy holes there. I mean, does that, because just looking at that that sort of second number, it sort of strikes me as a little bit like, you know, this, this is a club who, for me, and this is just my opinion, I'd say Real Madrid, Barcelona, the two biggest clubs in world mm-hmm. football, 
and then it's sort of you know, you've got United and Liverpool kind of jostling for that third spot. So really, you know, top arguably top three biggest teams in the world doesn't feel like quite enough over a sort of a, a 23 year period now. No, it, it certainly doesn't. Um and it doesn't feel like enough given the level of football that we've seen either, does it? Um, the side the, the sides we've watched in recent years and the Jurgen Klopp, of course, especially, they deserve more more trophies, quite frankly. Like what we have won, we're all delighted about and we've reveled in the moments of, of course. But like I say, it feels like for the the sheer dominance the sides have shown actually in recent years, um, despite you know, one club up the road sort of competing with us and, and in essence knocking us off um, what should be our rightful perch too often, quite frankly. And you can say the same about them. It, it, in many ways, it just feels like it's an era's thing, isn't it, I guess, in, in many senses. Like you, you mentioned the 80s there and, and even prior to that, Liverpool were the dominant force. There was moments where Everton sort of threatened to, to join us at that table, but that never truly materialised as much as they'll tell you very differently, of course. Um, but at the minute, it just feels like, it just feels unfortunate, I guess, that we have witnessed such an incredible Liverpool team. But domestically, they've come up against Manchester City, who themselves were forced to be reckoned with. Obviously, in Europe, it's been Real Madrid, who are the kings of Europe. There's no getting away from that, really. So, I suppose the more recent history, yeah, it just feels like we've been unfortunate. There's a bit of, bit of bad luck involved there. But generally speaking, over the past 23 years, like you say, it's not enough for a club of our stature. But I think I personally, and I think a lot of Liverpool fans of a similar age to me, would probably agree. And we spoke about age last time we were on Dave, and it kind of alters your thinking in many ways. And I think I, I still sit in the same boat with this because I grew up, I've been conditioned to watching Liverpool not win stuff. Like mm. that was my whole childhood. I just watched Manchester United win everything. So it does make it easier. And I know this is such a negative thing to say, but it does soften the blow when you do talk about the trophy hall not quite being where it should be. Because I agree with you on the point. For me, we're the biggest club in the world, so we should win everything all the time. It's not going to happen. But I can sort of look past that and go, yeah, we haven't won as much as we should, but I was used to fallow periods whereby we won nothing. So the Premier League, the Champions League, the Club World Cup, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera, that feels like a, a huge win to me, you know what I mean? So I still think these conversations are so dependent on what you've become used to as a football fan. Yeah, and um, I want to I want to talk about like perspective in a little bit and sort of how we come at it. But Liam, just to revisit something Dan said there, actually, I mean, how important is timing and all this? Because you look at the Man United team under Ferguson, and and maybe you just you can't really refer to it as one team because you know he was there for so long. But obviously, Ferguson, I think was it thirteen Premier Leagues he won um, at Manchester United. He never faced a team like this Man City side. I mean, he probably faced, obviously, Mourinho's Chelsea under Abramovich, for example, who sort of incredible coach, um, you know, huge amounts of resources that the Premier League hasn't seen, but it still feels like City are on a different level. That City probably are, you know, the greatest Premier League team ever at this stage. Um, so... And maybe this discussion is very different. You know, maybe we could be looking at an area where Liverpool have won the title three or four times at this point, and and we're talking about you know huge success and other golden era, as it were. 
so how important is time? And I mean, is that really what dictates the discussions in large part? I think that absolutely has to be acknowledged when you discuss Liverpool on, in the Orton Trophy era in particular. Um, I mean, it's no accident that in three seasons out of, out of four, as it was, we got 90 plus points. And I think that we only got one league title out of that was staggering. Like they didn't throw out another, another stash, which kind of came to mind there a few minutes ago. In the 2008-2009, 18-19 and 21-22 Premier League seasons, all of which we came, we came second, we lost five matches out of 114 combined and had no, no league titles to show for it. I mean, that's to think that any club could go through that you know, three times and, and had nothing to show for it like, just seems mind-boggling. And it's definitely... I think unfortunate time on Liverpool's part that though that our peak on the Orkney Hop has come at the same time that Guardiola has gone into Man City and you know, obviously he has had the the extra resources to spend, but as opposed to in fairness to him, he has by and large spent it very wisely and that's why Man City are where where they are to be to to get to get to give them some credit. Um but I think yeah, it's sort of like an I think it's for rival fans like they love to hop all over this. Oh, they've only won one title in thirty-three years, and and just give no acknowledgement whatsoever to mm. like just. I mean, in most of those, I mean, the last two times that we ran City to a point, I mean, what other clubs were even within a continent of competing with Man City in those two in those two seasons? So, like rival clubs can, you know, frankly, they can beat it. Like they think they've gone on Collins Butlers over over those two. Over those two campaigns, um, yeah, but no, I think definitely unfortunate, unfortunate with timing. I think if people, anyone who kind of isn't looking at it through like a, a, a prejudiced sort of tint, will kind of will acknowledge that Liverpool have had a fantastic team under Jurgen Klopp, and that it was just did just boil down to having the misfortune to be competing with a phenomenal Man City team under Guardiola. Yeah, there's, there's been times as a fan of this club, and I don't know if you two have felt like this, where it has felt like we're a little bit sort of cursed in a way. And I know I don't know if that sounds like, you know, if you were a fan of like a mid-table team listening to that thinking, you know, that's ridiculous, you know, like what you won. But like you mentioned those seasons there. I mean, not just the obviously the City seasons, like you say, but, you know, the years against Man United, obviously that season where we finished second in 08 09, it you know, the clubs obviously, you know, there was, there was obviously opportunities in there for you know Liverpool to pick up certain results, results that were costly or whatever. But you know, it just has felt like things re- haven't really, you know, fallen into place for us. I mean, even you know, I think the best example of universal meddling has to be the way uh, the last Premier League season ended with um obviously that Man City and Aston Villa game, for example. And it, you know, it has been sort of difficult at times, but obviously that makes you know the good the good moments. You know, you save them all the more. Um, and I just think you know competing with City has sort of dictated the narrative so much and um, that, I mean it's that you said earlier about the, the five losses I suppose s- sums up the point so much about the um, about the importance of time and, and about about the curse as well but let's move it on a little bit I mean I, I want to think about where we kind of stand as Liverpool fans within the broader sort of football picture because you know you look at it and um, Six English teams have won the uh, Champions League or European Cup. Um, Man City obviously recently becoming the sixth, as, as far as I as far as I'm aware. 
and then seven teams have won the Premier League. Obviously, a lot more will have won, you know, the top flight. But since you know the inception of the Premier League, only seven teams have won it. So, so essentially, the vast majority of fans. I mean, I don't know what percent you put on it, but the vast majority of fans will go their whole lives and they won't see their team. You know, they won't see their team win a Premier League. They won't see their team become champions of Europe. Most of them won't see their team even win a cup or, or any major trophy. So is there an argument, Dan, that we should kind of just be grateful for any success that we do have from that standpoint? Or do we look at it from the other angle and say, hang on, no, we're a top side. We support a top side. It doesn't really matter about those other clubs. We should be demanding sort of silverware every year, really. It, it, it very much falls in the middle of those two for me um, because... No team has a right to anything in football, quite frankly, whether it be trophies, you know, Champions League football or even Premier League existence. I'd go as far as to say that, like, the whole too big to go down, too good to go down adage is a, is a misnomer. It just doesn't make sense, doesn't mean anything. Um, so no team, no football club has a God-given right, like I say, to win trophies, to be successful the entire time. However, having said all of that, this is Liverpool Football Club. Like this is an establishment. This is, you know, this rightfully sits among the very top of the footballing universe. Like you mentioned it earlier, like we're in the top football clubs in the world. Like our fan base dictates that. And this is so often the argument against the likes of Manchester City. Like people feel like they don't have a right to win trophies and to be successful. Now, I can understand why City fans would take umbrage with that because because of what I've just said. Like, And Newcastle have got the same argument going on now as well. Like, They're having people say, what gives you the right to be in Champions League? Like, you're not a Champions League football club, which in essence doesn't mean anything. But there is a hierarchy of football, and it exists for a reason. It exists based on history. It exists based on fan base. It exists based on what you've done in the past, your actions, your success, etc., so as Liverpool fans and as a football club, you know, uh, uh, we do have a certain expectation, I would say, and a certain, for instance, I don't think Liverpool should ever, nor will ever, like, drop into the bottom half of the Premier League, for example. Like, we'll have seasons whereby it doesn't go to plan. We've had them in, recent, in living memory, you know, the Roy Hodgson season, for instance, whereby we were truly treading water for a period of time. There's been seasons where Barry finished outside of Europe, etc. But for me, a football club as big as Liverpool, it should never fall to that lower depth, if that makes sense. Now, again, you know, it being ever since this conversation, and they say exactly the same about their football club, and look at them right now. So, again, to come back around, it's such a, such a nuanced argument, but no club gets given anything. You have to you have to work for it, you have to make correct decisions, you have to get the right people in place, etc. etc. But as as an entity, as Liverpool, we should be, deserve to be, and if football was this glorious land that meant that the, the clubs most deserving and the clubs with the best history and the best fan base, etc. etc. always competed for trophies then we would be at that table, of course we would, because that's what we are, that's what we exist as. Um, but yeah, it is a really difficult one, because like I say, Man City fans, Newcastle fans, PSG fans even, mm. would listen to me saying all that and go, what what gives you the right? But that's just what we are. That What gives us the right, like I say, like I've alluded to, is the hundred odd years of history this football club yeah. has. 
that that's the basis that gives Liverpool Football Club and Liverpool fans a right to expect trophies. And whether that be right or wrong, that's the way we've been brought up. That's the way we've been sort of um, led to believe this football club should run. And yeah, that's the way I look at it. Like I say, I am willing to... I, it's, it's far easier for me, like I said earlier, to sort of accept and to move on. Seasons like the one we just had is a really good example, actually. Like, don't get me wrong, in the midst of it, that season hurt a lot, like a hell of a lot. It was so bad at times, like it truly was, mm. especially given the highs that we'd been on previously, obviously the quad chase and stuff like that. But it was still easier for someone like me than some modern-day fans, if you like, to sort of accept the fact that we were going to miss out on Champions League. Like, I've seen us in the Europa League before, like, mm-hmm. a few times now. You know what I mean? Like, so, so yeah. it's easier for people like me, I'd say. Yeah, I mean, I mean, on the Europa League points, like, I think I can, I, I don't mind, I don't mind being in there for the season in terms of my kind of approach. Like, if it becomes like a, a dragged out thing, and then I think, you know, that's a problem. But it is obviously going to hurt I suppose not being part of those Champions League conversations next year, but you know, one season Europa League football, I think is is a pretty good example in terms of how, how demanding we are as fans. If we yeah, say so, exactly. how, how do we feel about that? And um, I think it's okay. Um, I think thinking back to the last season, obviously it was a really good example of this in a way because we win this domestic cup double, and, and like I just said, how many fans are going to see their team win one of those trophies. I mean, I think especially now, given the, the sort of the, the squad size of big six teams, it's going to be increasingly sort of difficult for teams outside that bubble to sort of win those trophies. So it's probably going to become even more concentrated at the top. I mean, so so that was obviously, you know, a lot of fans look at that and, and they'd be delighted. And that would be a historic achievement. Obviously for us, it's, it was just sort of tinged with the disappointment of, of not winning one of the other two big trophies and I suppose you can look at this era generally and say is it is it a story of what we have won or could it become Mm. a story of of what we haven't won in a way just in terms of I think the big one would be sort of a Premier League title in front of fans we've lost two of the three Champions League finals we've been in and things like that I mean Liam how do you see that and how do you see the the general issue of, of sort of fan gratitude versus fan ambition I suppose um just taking on your last point there, David, about how we perceive this era of Liverpool, I suppose that's probably a question we won't be able to answer for another few years. Um, because on the one hand, it's been fantastic that we have been involved in these conversations about Joe, the consistently challenging for Premier League titles, getting to three Champions League finals or winning domestic cups as well. Um, because I'm sure you both remember there was a time in the not very distant past when we weren't like we were consistently weren't even getting into the top four. We consistently weren't even playing in the Champions League. We had a couple of years of no European football whatsoever. We had years where we were losing to the likes of Northampton Town in the Carabao Cup. Um, whereas, whereas, so I think if you equate that to what we've had on the last five years, you'll look and say, oh, we'll, we'll take Joe you know, coming second and losing finals all day long. Mm. Um, I suppose it's more a thing of that. Why, why top is still here and why there is the potential we'll say, to go again in the summer with the transfer budget. I mean, who knows, Like maybe all going well next season, we, we'll be back pushing Manchester City again and having another good run at it. It might be in five years' time when 
when when Klopp is, is gone, and and depending on how well his successor does, depending on can we replace the stalwarts of the team that are there at the moment, that we might look back in this era and either say, yeah, it was the it was sort of the precursor to bigger and better things to come once Man City were kind of top of them on a more consistent basis, or we look at it and say, guys, what were we complaining about? Look where we are now. I mean, I would I would sell both of my arms to be back to getting 90 plus points in the Premier League title mm-hmm. and no league title. Yeah, I think that's that's a good point. I mean, it's a big thing for me, and I've said this a few times on this podcast in terms of this whole year, it is. I honestly believe, and I think about this a lot, that if Liverpool just had, or obviously now they, they need to do it again, but if that sort of 2020 title had been in front of fans, I feel like every single thing that's happened after that would have been so much easier. And, you know, not winning the quadruple year after, I think is so much easier, obviously, because you have that sort of um, experience of celebrating that title. And then I think I think this season's easier as well. And obviously, you know, history pans out differently if, if, if mm. that happens, maybe who knows. But it was, I mean, to be fair, also, I think one thing that we, we don't talk about is... That the season after we won the league, without those injuries, we, we would have won it again, and then probably not been able to celebrate properly again. Um, so it's it's quite mad in a way how the how the year has panned out, and certainly in recent history. But it's it's strange that because it's easy to say, look, you know, you win that title and everything else is just put on perspective. I suppose when a season starts and when you're engaged in it, maybe it isn't quite that easy. But I just do have this nagging sense that. That's just what I need is to be able to kind of celebrate, sort of, you know, to see my team kind of win a league, kind of up close to see that trophy there, to have that parade, to have that moment that we didn't get after waiting so long. Just feels like would really kind of complete this era, and I think that is does sort of tie in with like the gratitude points as well. Um, I want to talk about the sort of club's culture, um, in a second first of all, um, just to. Remind you that if you are enjoying this podcast, please do give us a five-star rating on Spotify. Um, we've had 20 of those now, and we're very grateful for each and every one of them. Um, so every single one is uh, really appreciated. And on Apple as well, please do give us a five-star review. And remember, you can email a podcast with any thoughts or questions, and that's redsunrestrictedpodcast at gmail.com. Right, so last couple of uh, talking points now. This thing about culture is interesting. I mean... You hear it a lot in like American sports. They talk about the culture of franchises, you know, are they sort of bred to win? I think it's less of a thing in England outwardly. Um, you've got, I mean, the, the thing that jumps to mind is how, how many times you hear Man United pundits just say the phrase, this is Manchester United. And I suppose that kind of points to that in a way. I think if you're looking for the biggest example of kind of a winning culture in football, you'd have to say Real Madrid. I mean, what, what they've been doing in Europe for so many years where they were able to sort of defy the fact that everyone was kind of saying, oh, they're not the best team in Europe anymore. And they just tapped into that, um, that history, that heritage that they had. I mean, Dan, do you think there is sort of a, a ruthless winning culture at Liverpool? Because it feels a little bit like in the past few years because of Man City, because of maybe budgetary limitations that there has been a little bit more of a of a humble culture. And is that is that a problem or is that something that should be sort of applauded? No, I think we've gone through it's been a strange one with the era in many ways, because you'd have to say when we went on that, you know, winning the, the many winning streaks we've been on actually in the Premier League especially, 
it'd be hard to argue that we had a, a winning culture during those periods of time, like going nose to nose of Man City for so long, and then obviously the the run of victories and you know unbeaten run that saw us obviously eventually clinch the Premier League title. That was a side that had a winning culture and that that winning edge. There's no, there's no two ways about that. But I also think there's been times whereby we have been. <sighs> We we have lost that and we have lacked it slightly. I think it's fair to say. And this is a team like this is a team that and I've experienced that we've been doing. You probably know for the red now. We've done the Bobby Doc recently. So over the past few months, I've really sort of lived and breathed the past few seasons more than ever. And this is a team that I think we sometimes forget has been through a lot over the past few years, like a lot of hardships, ups and downs, lost numerous finals, obviously Europa League, Champions League twice, and. You can become one of two things when stuff like that happens as a side. You can either become battle-hardened and, and willing to go again. And that happened to us in the Premier League and the Champions League. But there's only so many times you can get knocked and eventually it takes an effect and it has an impact. And I think that's what we've seen more recently to this team. I think that, as well as a, a magnitude of other things, played a part in how bad last season was. I think few too many players have had a few too many knocks in their career essentially and not talking injury wise although that is also a thing um so yeah i think in terms of culture i think as a football club we definitely possess a winning culture you alluded to i, I suppose um culture not necessarily being a thing in england or in the premier league or in, in britain rather um i i think i agree with you to a point i think if, all the clubs really that spring to mind. I think Liverpool have one of the strongest cultures running through it because you mentioned sort of that this is Manchester United and we have a Liverpool way that we use, don't we, a lot and stuff like that. And I think we often laugh when people say like Spurs are a big one for this, aren't they? Like they expect a certain brand of football, they have a culture. We go, what is that like? Not winning trophies, you know. We always we always mock them for that. But I think as Liverpool fans, we do we do have a genuine culture. And for me sort of the the embodiment of that is the fact that with a manager like Jurgen Klopp, we have been at pains to stress just how much he gets the club. And like yeah. when when there's been sort of murmurings of him moving on, it's been the worst possible thing in the world because we're not going to find another manager in the modern day who understands us like he does. Um, not another world-class one anyway. You could you point to Gerrard and say he gets it. But in terms of his standard, it's not quite there yet, is it? So. Yeah. I do think Liverpool Football Club definitely has a culture and I think it is a winning culture, but I think that's so difficult to maintain for long periods of time with the same group of players. That's what this all comes back to for me. Like The, the problems this side faced, there's, there's many of them there is. There's Manchester City being up against us, a little bit of bad luck, a little bit of misfortune on the way, but also it does boil down to cold, hard recruitment as well. Yeah, definitely. And um, I guess to pick up on that, Liam, what Dan was saying there, I mean, how do you see the culture at the club at this moment in time? Is it is it a culture of, you know, win at all costs or is it a culture of that's more rooted in this sort of identities of the teams in a sense of, you know, the, the level of commitment they show on the pitch? Obviously, the the connection they have to the fans. I mean, is that what... Do Liverpool fans almost value that more than the the cold, hard, you know, the, the trophy numbers I've said earlier? Is it more about that kind of... I mean, maybe 
I'm doing our fan base of the service here, but is there maybe um, more of a focus on, on that kind of sentiment, on that identity, as opposed to, you know, the final outcome? Um, yeah, I can see where you're coming from, all right, David. Because um, I think even, even when you look at I me mean, you talk about player recruitment, that I think part of the issue with Liverpool this season is that it is still, by and large, that same group of players who was there at the core of the team that won the won the Champions League, won the Premier League. Obviously, if, like, one or two of those players had moved on, like such as Wijnaldum and Mane, but by and large, it was still a lot of the same stalwarts. Um, and I think ultimately, it showed, even from the first two weeks of last season, that the efforts of 21-22 took so much out of them that mm. we were going more or less the same squad. And and and, and it just, we just looked leggy and tired and we never got going. You look at Man- contrast that with Manchester City, where I think there is a lot more rootlessness there. I mean, look at the players that they have you know, seen leave over the last five seasons, like Vincent Company, Sergio Aguero, Fernandinho, Ilkay Gundogan. Like it seems to be always going to like one big name out the door annually, and yet they've just replenished and replenished and replenished, and they keep on winning. Like, imagine if Liverpool, if you told Liverpool fans now, you're going to, in the next five years or whatever it may be, we're going to lose. Most out of one season, we're going to lose Allison the next season. We're going to lose Trent, um, and we're going to lose maybe say Lewis Diaz. There will be uproar, absolute uproar, because you're right, thinking one word we get, where do we do? How do we replace these guys and replicate what Man City have done? And number two, I think there is that just so much lot like from Liverpool fans, especially I find more than others. There's just such a loyalty. The players, which I can understand, because we all we all love these guys, we, we love them to bits. And um, whereas other, whereas I think at, at other clubs, just seem to be this more of a of a sort of like a pragmatic view of mm. okay, I think you're probably um you're still a fine player, but you're probably past your prime, so you're a disposable asset. And um, again, like, again, in one way, I think I like as a Liverpool fan that we sort of have that bit of a difference to other clubs like maybe a, a City or a PSG where they're a bit more analytical and saying, okay, it's time to move that player on. And in another, some might argue that it's perhaps held us back a bit that maybe we have had almost maybe too much of a light to players that, we were, that we're, we're still relying too much on guys who are you know, the far side of 30. And that's why we have fallen back over the, la- over the last 12 months or so. Yeah, that's that's where I think, you know, I, obviously I didn't really want, um, as I, I, like I was saying at the start, I didn't want to find myself just sort of focusing on on FSG here, but I do think the the regime at the top of the club sets the culture in a sense, and and to, to operate, I suppose, with a certain model in this area does lend itself to a little bit more of a, um, it it sets expectations in a way, um. And, and those two things can't really be separated. You can't really ignore that. Um, let's just finish up then by assessing kind of where we stand. I mean, we've mentioned it a couple of times in this podcast that the 1980s is the kind of golden era of Liverpool. That's if if there is sort of you know a winning culture, as you as you said there, Dan. Really, I suppose that that's really where it's rooted for the most part. It is those sort of 1980s glory days, and that's what. Has kind of built the the, the allure of the football club, mm-hmm. in a sense. Um, so if that was sort of Liverpool's heyday up to this point, then, I mean, Liam said earlier, I think quite rightly that we still don't know how we can assess this era in terms of the, the finality of it because we've got you know a few years of of Jurgen Klopp left at least. 
But what's your kind of hunch for how, you know, obviously, as you said earlier, you, you must be 60, 70 years old, the, 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 things, the things you've endured as a Liverpool fan. But say when you do actually get to that point, you look back on these years. I mean, what's your hunch for sort of how, how you'll view them? Yeah, um, it's a very difficult one. I think it would be, I should start off by saying it would be a crying shame if Jurgen Klopp doesn't lift another major trophy. And when I say major trophy, I'm talking Champions League or Premier League. Like, yeah. I have no doubt in my in my mind that he will do that with Liverpool before he leaves. I think he's that brilliant of a manager. I think he's a genius. A lot of things need to go right. He can't just be a genius to make it happen. There's going to have to be some help. But I think it would be a crying shame if he didn't because you already hear the conversations um, about so big, a lot of Liverpool fans' biggest problem at the moment, the more practical Liverpool fan, I should say, isn't the fact that we're missing out on trophies or, you know, we, we're all able to compete with Manchester City. That's a problem in itself. But it it is, and I, I understand this argument more than I understand the other argument, it is the fact that we are essentially not wasting Jurgen Klopp, but we are missing out on having... We've got the greatest manager in world football right now, in my opinion, and we're not getting the most out of him. Like, in different areas, again, to go back to that, like Jurgen Klopp would have racked up the trophies by now, you know, if, if he hasn't already. He's done it against the odds in many senses, and that's a crying shame. So, in, in reflection, if it was to end tomorrow, if it was to end tomorrow, I would be still absolutely over the moon with what we've been able to achieve. Yeah, I'd be disappointed by the moments that we've already highlighted. You know, you you think back on the final day drama that we've missed out on, the the, the Vincent Company goal against Leicester and stuff like that. There'd be moments whereby you can pinpoint and say, we we deserve better, we deserve more from that. And seasons like Liam referenced before, whereby we've lost you know a handful of games and that we've racked up, we've accrued the amount of points that would win. 99% of league titles, but just so happens that it couldn't because of Manchester City, etc. So there will always be these little nagging doubts in your mind. But for me, this era has been an incredibly successful one. Not as successful as it deserves to be. Not as successful as the eras that have gone before, as you referenced, the golden era. That will remain the golden era in Liverpool Football Club, and rightly so, because the trophy hall is there for us to, to stand up against. But for me, if it was to end, um, I really hope it doesn't, it would still be a, a brilliant era of my time supporting Liverpool. One of the greatest of my lifetime, let's put it like that. So for me personally, I can't I can't complain about it too much. I, I truly can't. Um, like I say, there will be things whereby I, I wish it had gone differently. The biggest one for me, and you touched on it earlier, David, actually, just to finish on the point. The biggest one for me right now, we can always say that Jürgen Klopp completed the set because he's won everything, essentially, apart from the Europa League, ironically. Um, you can ignore that conference thing. Um, the biggest crime, the biggest shame for me, actually, if, if Jurgen Klopp was to leave without completing this, would be if we didn't win the Premier League while we were there. And that's it. Like, we say he's completed the set now, and in essence he has. But for me, it feels like if the set was, like, done, ready to go, there's still just one tiny little piece missing. And I feel like he'd probably feel the same way. It's winning the Premier League with fans inside the stadium and the parade, because that's what we love as a football club, and we didn't get to the weave of them. So as much as we all play down the, you know, empty stadium COVID thing, we'd already won it, et cetera, et cetera, because it's all true. We still need to get that box ticked for me personally. 
Yeah, I mean, th- this is the thing. Obviously, I think when you're discussing it kind of among other Liverpool fans, you can kind of be a bit more honest about it. If you're speaking to fans of other clubs, you yeah. kind of want to say, you know, we, we still really enjoyed it, um, which, we, which we did. But again, it just wasn't, it didn't have that sort of, it wasn't as special as it should have been. And there was there was a comment from James Milner recently, which I think summed it up quite well. Um, I think it was on that We Are Liverpool podcast. Mm. And he said it was one of the biggest regrets of his career that obviously for circumstances totally beyond everyone's control, that they couldn't celebrate that title. And I suppose it was the thing I look back on at the time. I remember saying it was about the journey. You know, I think I saw someone make this point on Twitter last season. I can't remember who, but it was like, I think it was in reference to Arsenal season and stuff. And it was like, we focus so much on the final outcome in football when we look back that we forget sort of how we felt on, on the mm. journey to that point. Because the season lasts, I mean, what is like nine months, 10 months, something like that. Like the bit where things are decided is only that sort of one month period at the end of the season or, or even over a few weeks. Like everything before that matters as well. Not as much granted, but you know, that's still the lion's share of the season. That's still what we're enjoying. So we're privileged in that way. But Liam, I'll come to you to finish then. Um, do you think we're at sort of a tipping point now in the Klopp era where it could change from what was and, and this brilliant success that we've had to to a case of, of what might have been? I mean, just based on what Dan said there, I think rightly about does it feel as if we fully maximise the potential of these players and this manager? Yeah, I'm, yeah, I very much agree with Dan on this one, that as for all the great times that we've had and none of us would ever swap those those out that um if if Jurgen Klopp sees our director's con- the rest of his contract and finishes in 2026 and we don't have another Premier League or Champions League to add to it or if we don't even win another domestic trophy then I think it becomes I think we look back on it and say no we definitely didn't maximise you know having the, the, the Jurgen Klopp era there um. Like we, we still remain hopeful that that will happen, but um, but yeah, because I mean, there's always that fear that once he goes, who comes in next? Are we going to slide back into maybe where where we were after Joe when FSG first came to the club? That you know, this is going to take over us being six, seven, you know, maybe maybe even lower down. Um, yeah, I think it's again we we want more. We're grateful for what we have, but undoubtedly we we want more. Um, I think we, if it ends and we've no other big, um, big trophies to add to it, um, then yeah, then I think we will look back. I think even just go back very quickly, just about 2020. At the time, I think we were all just so glad that we got to win it on the pitch that we, it was still that sense mm. of jubilation. Yeah. It's only when you, it's only when you look back on it, like maybe a year or two later, that you kind of it does feel not hollow, but just like that small little. Little piece, little piece was missing, um, and I suppose that that is why you're saying because obviously we all want to live between the Premier League, of course, but we all, we especially just want Jorgen and his team to have the just one crowning moment where Jordan Henderson is raising the trophy at a sixty-one thousand capacity Anfield. Everyone's gone absolutely nuts, and million people go out into the streets. Best days of our lives. Yeah, that's what that's what it's all about, really. Um. And um, it does feel like there is still that one, one very small, but also um, very significant missing piece in this era. But yeah, we'll leave it there for this podcast. Thanks very much, Liam. Thanks very much, Dan. We'll be back next week with another episode. We're also going to have um, some content that goes up 
um, exclusively on our YouTube channel. So remember to subscribe to that if you, if you want to see that one. And yeah, but we'll be back next week on audio with another episode. But yeah, thanks very much for listening and take care.